We've been in a series for the last few weeks, and I'm going to end that series today talking about living in victory. So I want you to go in your Bible with me back to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start there. Most of you that know me, I say this quite often, but I'm going to remind you again. I'm not just a a sermonizer. I really don't like just coming in and say, well, I'm going to preach on this today. It don't operate that way for us. We really believe that we have sought the Lord, we have heard from God, and that we are bringing what God wants for this house at this moment of time and for your life. And so I believe the scripture says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. We don't always intend to do a series. Sometimes I'll start and it'll wind up going for weeks. But when the Lord quickened this to me, I knew that we were going to be several weeks in uh, to this message. And we're talking about living in victory. I want you to understand and I want you to fully grasp and know. That's what you have been called to. That's what you have been appointed to. That's what you've been positioned for. And you're anointed to walk in victory. No matter what the circumstances are going on in our world and through your life. Now listen, to live in victory doesn't mean you're not going to be challenged. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have a battle from time to time. It doesn't mean that things aren't going to happen. You know, sometimes you can, I, I, I talked to somebody, I think it was Scott last week, tell me, and they had a horrendous week. Flat tire, I think, hit a deer, broke a tooth, things happening like that. Sometimes you're along the journey and all of a sudden your washing machine quits. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? I went to iron my shirt the other day and my iron didn't work. I thought life had come to an end. The iron wouldn't work. I'm going to have to go wrinkled. Well, that's how most people feel, something like that. But you have to understand something. Things like that are man-made. They're not going to last forever. Hello? Uh, You do know you got a lifespan on just about everything you own. Your car, I don't care how good it is, isn't going to run forever. Your air conditioner is not going to run forever. Matter of fact, when I have, when we bought houses and had them inspected, one of the things they'll come and tell us is something like this. I know I've got realtors in the room, and they'll say, well, you know the lifespan on the roof is 20 years. The lifespan on the air conditioner is 20 years. The lifespan on this is 20 years, and you're looking at a house that's 21 years old, so your lifespan of your roof is already gone. But it's not the end of the world. It's just something that's there, but it's how you look at those things, how you deal with those things that can declare whether you're in the midst of a great battle or you're in a great victory. We've got things going on in our world. Many of us, we don't like it at all. The circumstances of the economy, the circumstances, I'll be honest, of the political system that we're in, the circumstances that are happening with our children that are are quite atrocious of what is happening. But nonetheless, you and I as God's people are not to be defeated by those things, but we are to be overcomers and we are to triumph in every situation of our life. Okay, I'm only preaching to three or four. The rest of you better hear what I'm telling you today. 
Because I'm going to talk to you about the safest place that you can be in in these times. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong. These are the final words of Paul to this church at Ephesus. Let me lay a backdrop for some of you that's missed the first couple parts. Ephesus was a major thriving city. It was a trade center. Matter of fact, there were seven or eight different major cities that would connect somehow with Ephesus in order of all the trade and business that would go on. It was still under the Roman, it was one of the largest, I guess we could say, Roman-occupied lands of of the Asian uh, culture or the Asian nation. But one of the greatest things about Ephesus was this, it was a land full of idolatry, a city full of idolatry. One of the greatest temples, matter of fact, it was noted to be one of the seven wonders of the world, a temple that was made to the goddess Diana. The goddess of fertility is found there in that region of Ephesus, along with all the other uh, idols that were there. Not only was was that temple there, but there was a great amphitheater there. If you could imagine this, one of the largest in the world made by men, a major amphitheater that would seat somewhere between 25 and 50,000 people that would come to watch the games, as we would say, maybe like the Olympics in a sense, but it's men fighting. It was men going at each other. So that's why Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The picture really is two men going at it to see who was the strongest because the Greeks and Romans prided in their strength and they're prided in their ability to fight and conquer their enemies. And God speaks through the prophet to the church that is there that knows Jesus but evidently is under great struggle and they're not living up to what they feel like uh, they ought to be living up to and what God has destined them to. And Paul speaks up and he says, Finally, guys, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then he went on to say, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. I love the Passion Translation. I don't know if she's got that up there for me or not, but it says something like this. There it is. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive flowing power in and through you. In the King James, it says be strong, which simply means to be strengthened. But here's a deeper definition. Be in a posture of rest. Because when you're strong in something, when you know you've got victory, You are not in strife, but you are resting in that place. And that's what Paul is giving a command to. Get to that place where you are resting in the Lord. 
And the word might there simply means this, or the word power simply means his capacity to do. Be strong in the Lord in the power, in his capacity to do. Sometimes you're fighting a battle. God says, I'll let you keep fighting it till you sit down. And when you want to stop fighting, I'll take over. And you need to be able to discern when you've got to fight and when you need to let the Lord do it. But then he talks about his might, which means with all of one strength. You realize what God said? He said, be strong in me and what I can do because I'm adding to you everything that I am, all that I have in order to see you victorious. And then he goes on and he gives a command. And he said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and darkness and such as that. And then he said, put on the whole armor of God. Put, have your loins girt about with truth. Put on the helmet of salvation. Uh, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Have your shoes, uh, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Pick up the shield of, the, of faith. Pick up the sword of the spirit. And then he says, praying in the spirit with all supplication with all the saints. Now, here again, we got to get a picture of what he's talking about. This armor was for a, was for a a soldier, and this is really we we see it we see it like this. Man, I'm in a battle. I need some protection. But for that warrior, it protected. He had come to the place to rely on and rest in the strength of his armor in order to keep him safe and protected and to win his victory. He said, "Put this on." Put this on so you're at a place of rest. He's given us a picture of like two warriors are men that are fighting with bows and arrows and spears and swords going at it. He said, gird yourself in it. But what is he really talking about? He's just giving us a picture. He's talking about us putting on Christ. He's talking about us being positioned in Jesus. That's where he started. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And as the armor of a soldier protects him and he can rely on it, so can you rest in the Lord. I want to tell you, if you listen to everything and everybody that's screaming out there right now that's got a YouTube channel, you'll hear everything all over the spectrum. And a lot of them are saying we're in a moment when bad things are going to come our way. That's what they're talking about. And I believe we've got to get ready. You've even heard me make a few comments. I believe that we're going to possibly be in a place where difficult times are going to come. Paul even said it in the last days. Perilous times would be here. But I want to say to the church, I want to say to you that are believers, we are not to fear the things that are coming upon the planet, but you and I are to be in a place of faith, a place of rest, a place of delight in the Lord that he will take care of us. And most of us aren't. How do you know? Because you keep listening. Oh, what's he going to do? What's he, you keep listening to the same stuff. And the reality is we're really not in faith in God. We're in faith in men. We're in faith in what men's going to do. But God said, I'm going to take care of you. 
how's he going to do this? And how do I put on Christ? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because last week I told you if you're going to stand in victory, you got to know who you are. I want you to go back with me to Ephesians chapter 1 again. This is one of my favorite books of the Bible. You ought to mark it. You ought to have everything circled in there. And Paul starts out by telling how blessed we are. How blessed we are. I want you to know that we've been blessed in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That he has through his blood forgiven us of all of our sin. He has cleansed us from all of our iniquity. He has declared us holy and blameless. And he did all of this through Christ before the foundation of the world. Not only that, Miss Adrian, but I've been accepted in the beloved. I've been adopted even though I was a stranger and a foreigner. And even though we all walked in sin, when we came into Christ, we were accepted. We were given all the rights of a family. Hello. We were given all the rights of one born into the family. Not only that, I was given an inheritance. Oh, I got news for you. My daddy owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So why are you worrying about chicken running out at the market when our God owns the cattle and he owns the hills the cattle stand on? Come on, church. I've been given inheritance. Here's another word you don't look at much, but I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. What do you mean you've been sealed? Listen, I'm not worried about it if I make a mistake today that I'm on my way to hell. And that's the way most of the church thinks. You think that every time you blow it somewhere, you've messed up somewhere, that, oh, no, i got to get reborn all over again. Some of us Pentecostals have been born again more than, more, I, I don't, more than what we could ever imagine. Every revival, we got born again, again. Well, I got news for you. I know I'm going to shock some of you. You only get born again once. That's really it. You can get born again. You mean, Pastor, what if I sin? You just repent. And God washes us. Either that or you're going to live by works in the song that we declared while ago was a lie to you. Because you think that your righteousness is by what you do and how good you are. But I'm only holy and I'm cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Now I'm not giving you a license to sin. You all know that. Because it's a thief and that's what God. But I'm sealed. But then, this is a prayer I pray more than probably any prayer that I pray. Then I'm thinking, okay, God, you said I was blessed, I'm forgiven, I'm a son, and I'm all of this. And then Paul says, two times through this book, Paul lays out a deep prayer. He said, I'm praying for you guys. I'm telling you who you are, but I'm praying for you because I want to take you to a deeper place. I want to take you to a stronger place. And this is what he said. He said, therefore, verse 15, after I've learned of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Listen to this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit and wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Now, wait a minute. I thought I was born again. I thought I had an inheritance. I I thought I was righteous and holy. And and Paul is saying, wait a minute. I'm praying that God would give you 
the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, those two things have got to go hand in hand because you can have a lot of revelation of who you are but have no wisdom of how to live it out. And Paul said, I'm asking. Here's another question. So that, he said, I'm praying not only that you that that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, he does answer, in the knowledge of him. Wait a minute, what do I need to know about him? I need to know who he is. I need talking about Jesus. I need to know what he's done, and I need to know what he's doing so that I can be everything that he's called me to be. Let's keep going. Don't stop because it's not over. He said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. That's interesting to me, Pastor. The hope of his calling. As though Jesus said, I've given you things, I've done things for you, I've acted out things for you, but I don't know if you're going to grab it. So the hope is, it would be like me fixing dinner, hoping somebody's going to show up and eat it. Yeah, I know Michael will. But that's what he's saying. There's a hope that you can be everything. You can be a believer, but still not embrace everything that he wants you to be. But he keeps giving us an answer that you will know the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance that is in the saints? Wait a minute. Most of us are still looking for something to come down. Send it on down. Send it on down. Lord, let the Holy Ghost come on down. Y'all know that. We get all shouty about that stuff. God said, I've already put it in you. Hello, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? That's talking about every one of us in this room, which he worked in Christ. Listen to this, because these words are answering the hope of his calling for our life. See, you and I, am I supposed to be a preacher? Am I supposed to be an evangelist? Am I supposed to have a soup ministry? Am I supposed to be this? Am I sp- and we're all worried and we live our lives as believers with no purpose. And we don't even realize the purpose isn't what you and I think. Y'all really got quiet there. I'm going to show you your purpose. He went on to say, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his power which he worked in Christ... He raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. When it says he seated him means the work is over. There's no more work to do. He's positioned in rest. Far above all principality and all power and all might and dominion. And everything that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Wait a minute, didn't I hear Paul say a few chapters back, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and darkness, 
the rulers of this age, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Keep reading. And he has put everything or all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, wait a minute. You better hear what he said. He has given him to be the head of the church. And now Jesus is seated where? At the right hand of the throne on high, far above. Everybody say it like that. Far. That don't mean just getting through. It means far above all principality and power. And he has put everything under his feet and gave him to be the head of all things to the church, which is his body. Now, wait a minute. If we're his body, he's the head, then who's the feet? Hello, all of us, the church. So where is all of these principalities at? Under our feet. They're already defeated. They're already conquered in Christ. And they're already defeated for us through him that fills us. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Wait a minute. Our vision here is that all of us would come to the fullness of Christ. So what is the fullness that he's talking about here? God has literally put himself in the church. So I want to tell you the safest place to be on the planet right now to live in victory is in the church. It's in the church. I'm not talking about this building. We call it a church, but this is just a building. But you're the church. Uh, No, some of you are not, but many of you that are believers are the church. So we need to find what a church is or what the church is because I believe that is the hope of his calling is that we would step up and be the church, which is his body that fills the earth to carry out his purpose. Oh, come on, somebody. You know what? To deny our ability to be victorious is our ability to to deny what Jesus has done for us. I want you to think about that for a moment. To deny our ability to be victorious is our ability to, to deny Christ and what he's done for us. Because he said he paid it all. So what is the church? All right, simple definition. We've heard this a lot. We, and I know we've got people at all different levels. So I'm going to try to make it as simple as I possibly can because I believe it is simple. It's the ecclesia. That's just a Hebrew term. Boy, that's a, we're the ecclesia of God. We're God's government in the earth. Well, that's true to some degree. But that's not all it is. And if you ask that to most people, I don't even know what you're talking about. 
the church, the ecclesia. Another definition for the church, that you could go check it out, look it up. It is a calling out. It's the called out ones. What do you mean called out? Those who have been called out of darkness and have stepped into his marvelous light. It's a community of members or saints here upon the earth. That's the church. We don't have to make this thing hard or difficult, but it is the church. Let me give you my definition, Zach Strong. I think it'll be in the history book somewhere. It's those who have heard and understood by faith and have made Jesus their Lord and have dedicated themselves to serve and to honor and worship him. It's those who have accepted, have understood, have received the revelation of Jesus and have believed on him and now have stepped out of the world and say, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. I'm dedicated to live my life completely unto him. Well, let me say this to all of us in this room and to my friends that are watching us online. You can go to church but never be a part of the church. You can go to church week after week. You can be a faithful church member on somebody's books. You can be a faithful tither. You can be this and you can be that. Every week I show up. I've done my, I've done my dutiful service. Isn't that what you said a while ago? Well, really, yes, I gave a de- definition. Yeah, we come out of the world. We serve him and worship him. Uh, But it's really deeper than that because it's about my service and it's about my dedication. Not only about me showing up, but about all the rest of the saints that are called the church. It's in here, the church, Paul said, that he said he prayed that we would get the revelation where the riches of God are, where his glory is, where his power flows both in and out and through us. It's in the church. It's the safest place to be. Y'all remember in the book of Matthew chapter 16, is everybody good this morning? Somebody smile at me. Show me a tooth or something. I don't care if you just got one. Show me something, all right? Paul said it like this. He said in the book of Matthew, when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? You know that story real well. I should say some of you do, I know. He comes to this coastline of uh, Caesarea Philippi filled with idols and all kinds of things. And his disciples are with him. And then he asked them, who do men say that I am? Because they know who that one is and that one is and that one. I want to know who they say that I am. And Peter, he asked, some said, you're Jeremiah. One said, you're a prophet. They're a teacher. You're this and that. And Peter speaks up and says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this unto you, but my father, which is in heaven. And he said, now your name will no longer be called Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter. Listen to this. And upon this rock of revelation... What is the revelation of knowing who Jesus is and what Jesus has done? I will establish my church, listen, and the gates of hell will not stop my church. So the safest place to be in the world is in the church. I'm not talking about the building. 
We call it a church. But I'm talking about being in the church. So how are you going to be in the church? I'm glad you asked. Because notice what he said. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, wait a minute. We got to go to another step. Because this church has a body. It has form. It has structure to it. And Paul is praying. He said, I'm praying that you guys become the church and this body. Paul talked about it to the church at Corinth. He talked about it in different places. This body is a many-membered, many-membered, many-membered body. And every part of it is needed. Matter of fact, go with me real quickly to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. This is all in the book of Ephesians. You need to check it out, read it later. He said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of your calling for which you're called. Oh, what's my calling? To be the church. He hasn't changed anything. He's not calling us to go out and do a tent meeting. That's nothing wrong with that. And it may be a part of being the church. He's not called me to open up a bookstore somewhere. That's not what he's talking about. He said, let us walk worthy of the calling with which we were called. What is that calling? To be the church, the body of Christ. How do you know that? Follow along with all long lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. See, if we're going to be the church, we're going to have to be. We're going to have to stand as a body, and we're going to have to care for one another as a family. You need to catch that because that's the only way we're going to be a true body. No one of us is called to do this life alone. I've heard it. You've heard me say it several times over the last month. Song that was wrote, me and Jesus. We got our own thing going. Me and Jesus. We got it all worked out. And some of you think that just because you and Jesus got something going alone, that you've got it worked out. Well, you can be a believer, but still not a part of the church because the church functions as a body and that body has many members and those members have to care for one another as a family. Okay, y'all real excited, I can tell. I'm trying to keep you in the safest place that you can be. Uh, Listen, if war breaks out, I know a few people I'm going to. Family members. Because they got guns and ammo. They got food stored up. What are you going to do? Put your head in the sand hoping to go away? No. But it, that's just a simple, simple, crazy little analogy. But what happens spiritually? We do the same thing. But if I'm not connected to those people, you know what they're going to do? If I'm not family to those people, you know what they're going to do? If something like that would come upon our land, man, you'll get shot before you get in the driveway. 
Because your being is, you're not there to be a, be a part of the family. You're being there to be a thief. And we got a lot of thieves in the house of God. Oh, I might as well throw it in. Didn't plan that at all, but that's a revelation. We got a lot of thieves coming to the house of God, wanting to be family, but taking our goods, and you give nothing into the body. Whoo, my goodness. Pat me on the back. I'm going to send myself an offering today. But it's true. Never give nothing. Never invest. What do you mean? I'm not talking about your money. That is a part, but that's the least to some degree. I'm talking about your faith. I'm talking about your care. I'm talking about your prayer. I'm talking about what you can add, your encouragement, your strength to the rest of us. Man, when I'm going through it, I don't need somebody to tell me why I'm going. I need somebody to help me get through it. Hello. So he says this. He said, we endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. The word body just simply means a complete whole. A complete whole. W-H-O-L-E. In other words, it's one. We the church. And I want to tell you, the church is everywhere. And listen, brothers and sisters, listen to what Paul said. We've got to endeavor to keep the bond of peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. I want to help some of us in this room. Our culture isn't going to be attacking the other churches and ministries of our area. Matter of fact, they're our family. They may not do what we do. They may not do it the way you think it ought to be done. But if they're called by God, that's what he's telling us. We've got to, because what are we doing? We're dividing the church. So we've got a one-legged church. Or we got a one-armed church. Or we got a one-eyed church because we're attacking every, and we don't even know about those ministries. Y'all got real quiet. But I tell you what, I need to be supportive, really standing with and encouraging them, praying over them and believing with pastors. But you don't know what they're teaching. You don't either. You don't either. If they're preaching Jesus, that's all that matters. Really it is. If they're preaching Jesus the only way and his blood and him crucified, that's all that matters. Well, pastor, they're compromising in the church. That's not my problem. That's God's problem with them. Hello? And God will straighten that out. Paul said, I think it's in the book of Philippians. He said, there's this one group. Somebody's coming. Hey, did you know what they're doing over there? He said, yeah, I do know. He said, some are preaching out of strife. Some are preaching out of this. and there. But he said, nonetheless, the gospel's being preached. That's what he said. And if it's not of God, it can't stand. And if it is of God, you can't stop it. Hello. But we've got to endeavor. Even in this house, we've got to endeavor to be one body standing together. 
Let's finish. Matter of fact, it was so strong. That was so strong. Paul said, I'm not just praying about that. I'm going to tell you what Jesus did. That when he ascended, he gave gifts on the earth. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers. For what purpose? To equip us. To equip us. What's that equipping? How to live for Jesus and be the church. That's why most of us are trying. I just don't feel qualified because you're, you're looking at your ministry through your eyes and see, seeing who you're supposed to be. I'm just supposed to be the church. He gave us to equip the saints for the work of the And ministry just simply means this, to serve. Oh, wait a minute, who am I serving? The other parts of the body. Hello? We're serving one another. We're serving other believers. We're serving people that don't know him how to come and find Jesus. He said he gave this for the the edifying, listen, for the building up of the body of Christ. Listen, what the world needs to see is Jesus. And he said, this is going to happen until we come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Listen, you need to mark this stuff in your Bible. To, To a perfect man, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that Christ is filled in all the land. That we, listen to this, you oh, you really need to highlight this verse. That we should no longer be children. Uh-oh, he just identified us. Some of us are not mature, we're still children. And he said we're tossed and to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, But listen to what he said we ought to do. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, Christ. So let me help you what it means to speak the truth in love for a minute. My jet's got to come down quickly. It means this, because some of you think it's just to speak whatever you want, and that's not true. It is speaking the truth in love is speaking what is doctrinally correct and proceeds from a biblically committed life to a person who is in need of direction. Do you hear what I said? Not what you think. If you're not committed to Christ, you have no right to try to speak the truth of love to me or anybody else, but you'll speak it doctrinally sound. And you'll speak it from that heart that I want to help you be everything that God has called you to be. All right, I better get off that. Too many rabbit trails today. But speaking the truth and grow in love, then from whom the whole body, listen, how's the body formed? is joined and knit together by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And see, you think just because you don't show up, you're not needed or nobody cares, you just cause me to lack 
and I'm causing you to lack when I don't show up. Well, pastor, I thought I can be the church and be at home. Well, according to Scripture, that's not true. Doctrinally sound. That's not true. Because if you're going to be in the church, you will find a church to be a part of. And be faithful to that church. Remember, every joint supplies something. I don't know what everybody's supply is. I don't think any of us know. But I know that I'm richer when you're here. I know that I'm stronger when you're here. And I tell you what, this ought to change the attitude of everybody in this room. What are you bringing to this house? I got to be honest about something for a moment. Probably getting me in trouble, but I'm going to be honest. I'm just making a statement. And Pastor Val, I chatted with him about it. I thought, I found out over the last couple of weeks, our, our, our finances have been down a bit, just a bit. And I thought, what's up with this? And my first thought was this, being pastor, okay, is people voting? Now, we're not a voting congregation. We don't go there. That's not how we're run. But I know this, we vote all the time. If I like something, I'm gung-ho. If I don't, I'm not. I sit back and sometimes do nothing. Oh, I'll show up. Boy, y'all really looking mean at me now. No, just kidding. But I had to be honest. And, of course, me and Pastor have these conversations, and he has secured me. No, I don't believe that's it. And you know what? I really believe that, too. I don't believe that, but I have to be honest because I've been around too many congregations, and I've seen it too many times. But what did you bring? If we're not having great services as what we think great services is, may I ask you, because I know how I've prepared myself. What you didn't know, they were here at 7.30 this morning while you're having coffee. What you don't know, they've been here through the week. What you don't know is our children's ministry back there has been preparing all week for you. But what did you bring? What did you bring? What was your supply to bring into the house to create what you feel or we think is a great service? Pastor, it's just not my demeanor. It's not who I am. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Don't, don't ride that any longer. Because if I make you mad, you're going to let me see your demeanor. Come on. If we irritate you or somebody, your demeanor is going to show up and you might look all quiet and everything. But you know, but let somebody make you mad and all of a sudden the real you creeps out of the room. I'm talking about us being the church and being that body. So if we're going to be the church, we've got to be the body that's every joint supplied. But then, listen, we've got to be nurtured as the worship team is coming back. We've got to be nurtured as a family in love. So what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. 
Ephesians 4, 17. I don't have time to hit every verse, but let, let me follow with you. It says this. This I therefore testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. What is he saying? I'm not going to walk as that selfish, self-centered, doing my own thing individual anymore. My life has a bigger purpose and people need me and I need them in my life. How do you know that's what he's talking about? Well, look at verse 25. I'm glad you asked. He said, put away lying to each other. Put away lying. Let each of you, each other speak truth with this neighbor. Again, guys, let, let's don't think that, hey, I don't like that big wart on your nose. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about us needing one another and living righteously with one another. For we are members, verse 25 says, of one another. Listen to this. Be angry and sin not. Oh, I thought that was only with me and Diane. No, it's with the whole body. Be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath <clears throat> because the longer you let that stuff settle, well, pastor, you don't know what they did to me. Well, I may not. And sometimes they don't even know what they did to you. Church, I don't even know. I've, I probably offended people this morning, not intending to. That's not my heart. I'm trying to get us to be the body. And people have got offended and we've gotten hurt. And we've stepped away from the body of Christ. But he said, don't be angry. Don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Listen to verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Wow. Let him who stole no more steal no longer. But let him labor, working with his hands. That good thing that he may have something to give to him that is in need. Wait a minute. Man, we need to be all oh, investing, doing what we can. I've, I, I've got to bring a supply. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Y'all have heard me say this, and I'm determined I will not speak ill of the ministries of our region. I won't. I won't speak ill of them. We're not going to do that. We're going to stand, but pastor, we're not going there. It's not our culture. But he said, he said, don't let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which is necessary and good for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And then listen to what he said. You want to know why Holy Spirit doesn't move sometimes? Listen to this verse. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So he said, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, which means arguing, and evil speaking be put away with you with all malice, which is an evil intent, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Last verse, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. 
safest place to be on the planet is in the church. And the church is a many-membered body made up of different people of every color, of every walk of life. I love this house. I love this house. And I thank you, Michael. I love the different colors and the groups and the different ages because that's the body. That's the body. And we are the church. And we're committed to realize we are better together. And that is where, listen, that is where that unlimited power of God rests is in the church. And Jesus is always going to be the center and the head of the church. And the Holy Spirit is the one that's always going to lead the church. And everything that we do in the church, we're going to do with the spirit of excellence. And not only that, but the church is a generous people. We know how. If you're in the church, you'll be generous. Do you realize that in the in the things of the world, the catastrophes that go on in the world, worship team, come on up. Get in place. Do you realize that usually the first responders to major world events is the church? And the ones that stay when government leaves is the church? Why? It's the nature. It's the culture of the church. It's who we are. And I believe it's the safest place if you're going to walk in victory. Church isn't about perfect people. There's not a one of us in this room are in our own, but we are in Christ. And whether we like each other or not, which I don't have a reason why you wouldn't like me. <laughs> You're still my brother and sister. And we're here fighting for you. And we're standing. Paul ended his writing there. He said, we're praying with all supplication, with all the saints. I'm welding my sword for you as much as I'm welding it for my family and for myself.